Book Dreams, a member of the Podglomerate Network and LitHub Radio. Hello, and welcome to Book Dreams, the podcast for everyone who loves books and has ever wondered about them. I'm Julie Sternberg, author of a number of children's books, including Like Pickle Juice on a Cookie and its sequels, and the Top Secret Diary of Celie Valentine series. And I'm Eve Yohalem, also a children's book author. My books include The Truth According to Blue and Cast Off, The Strange Adventures of Petra de Winter and Brom Broen. In each episode of this podcast, we explore a book-related musing, something we've wondered about for a long time, or maybe it's just very recently struck us. It doesn't matter, as long as it's fascinating. In this episode, we decided to talk about funny books for not-so-funny times. We were trying to decide what we wanted to discuss, and we had actually had another idea that involved reading other books that were a little serious, and neither one of us could really bring ourselves to do that. At the time, I was listening to the audio tape of Trevor Noah's Born a Crime. Which I had already read. Yes, and I was loving it. And I thought, you know what? Let's let's read funny books. Yeah, which was an idea that instantly made me very happy. Yeah. But also I had that moment, I I do this all the time when people say, oh, what are your favorite books? I instantly draw a blank and I can't think of a single book I've ever read. Do you do that? Or is that just a thing of mine? Of course. Of course. So when you said, let's read funny books, I thought, yay, what a great idea. And then I thought, I don't know if I've ever read a funny book. And (laughs) one funny book came to mind, just one, which is one of the funniest books I've ever read. And that's Captain Pantoya and the Special Service by Mario Vargas Llosa. I haven't yet read it, but the premise alone made me laugh. Yes. Well, I read (laughs) Captain Pantoya maybe 20 years ago. He wrote it in 1973. And I remember thinking it was hilarious. And when I explain the premise, you'll understand, Julie, why... (laughs) I did not go back and reread it, knowing that we were going to talk about it in this episode. Captain Pantoya is set in a fictional Peru during a fictional civil war. And the army has a terrible problem because they keep going from village to village because they need to to fight this civil war. And every time they go to a new village, um, the soldiers are raping the local women, which, as you can imagine, is a problem, you know, in terms of they need to be getting along with the villagers. And so is is that um, the problem? Problem? Yeah. Okay. You raise a very, very valid point. So, what they do is they recruit Captain Pantoya, who is a man beyond reproach, a man who cannot be corrupted by by all accounts. And they task him with setting up a mobile prostitution unit. So the, the mobile unit of prostitutes travels from village to village with the military, with the soldiers. And instead of raping the women, the soldiers use the prostitution service. And my recollection of the book is that it's brilliant and hilarious. And I didn't go back to read it because I... There's a really high likelihood that this book has not aged well. You, know? you don't think Me Too would enjoy this premise? <laughs> Maybe not. I can't tell you because I stuck my head in the sand and I didn't go back and look. <laughs> Did you finish the Trevor Noah book? Of course I finished it. In fact, I finished it and I pressed stop because I was listening, which I highly recommend everyone do because Trevor Noah reads it and he reads it fabulously. And I thought to myself, everyone certainly in the United States, should read this book. I've decided that I should become a teacher and my class should just be having the kids come in, sit down, I'll press play, we'll listen to a bunch of the book, 
and then we'll stop and discuss. Because there's so much rich material here about, um, it's about racism, it's about misogyny, it's about abuse. Poverty. It's about poverty. Immigration. Yeah. But it's told in such an engaging way. He's a brilliant storyteller. And he is funny. And so it's a, a book that you want to keep reading. You never hesitate. It never feels too heavy. But the subjects and the lessons, which never feel like lessons, are very interesting and important. Like he talks about how his mother never wanted him to be subject to what I think she calls the black tax, which is having to stay home and support your family in its poverty because everyone is so mired in poverty that, of course, they need all the help they can get in the family, but then no one is able to break free mm-hmm. because everyone is saddled with all of the negative effects of centuries of racism. And so she was made a very determined effort to raise him as someone who could be and would be independent of that. One of the stories that he tells toward the end of the book that has stuck with me and I'm thinking a lot about now is he's gained some success in his career. He's really taking off and his mother has to be hospitalized. In order to pay her hospital bill, he's basically going to have to give up his whole career to pay off that debt and give up his future. He wrestles with it, but he is prepared to do that. And I just thought, well, he's in South Africa when this happens, but it's happening here every day and happening more and more. I do just want to say one more thing about the book, which is I also think that it would be a phenomenal subject for a writing class because he is so good at characterization, his mother in particular, but his friends also, they leap off the page. And he's so good, as I said earlier, about weaving in seriousness with humor and having you continue to turn the page. And the book is so full of heart. It's really quite an accomplishment. So then we decided that we were going to read a book together that neither of us had read before. And you had heard about Betty McDonald's The Plague and I. Yes. I heard on the New York Times Book Review podcast, one of the editors, Pamela Paul, was talking about reading Betty McDonald's The Egg and I, which is another of her autobiographical books. And she mentioned that Betty McDonald had also written The Plague and I. And I thought, oh, I've got, I've got to read that during this right. time. It's a memoir for our time. <laughs> the Plague and I is a memoir of her time in 1937 when she spent nine months in a sanatorium recovering from tuberculosis. So different plague, but still, you know, relevant to our time. Right. So the very beginning was funny. She has her whole description of growing up, and I love her grandmother, Gammy. The first five minutes of the book, because I also was listening to this at first before I switched to reading it, but at the first five minutes, I was like, I don't know if I'm going to love this. I, and then Gammy And then Gammy arrives, and you're Gammy thinking, all right, and saddle I'm up. And I'm laughing out loud in the kitchen. This is Gammy sitting around the kitchen table with a number of small children, right, because um, Betty McDonald has a lot of siblings. Gammy is drinking what she calls hot potsum, which is a coffee substitute. It says, after she had fixed some hot potsum and had given us each a much too big helping of her gray, gluey, lumpy oatmeal, Gammy would pick up the morning paper and read aloud bad news. I see that the Huns are cutting off all the Belgian women's breasts, she would remark pleasantly (laughs) 
as she took a sip of potsam, or, well, here's a poor careless little child who played on the railroad tracks and the train came along and cut off both his legs at the hip. Poor little legless creature. <laughs> Anytime Gammy's on the page, you're laughing. So, so true. The problem for me was that Gammy dies and leaves, <laughs> leaves the page. <laughs> Pretty early on, before we even get into the sanatorium point, I think she says something like, poor Gammy didn't live long enough to know that she had contracted this horrible disease because it would have made her so happy. And then once Betty enters the sanatorium, for me, at least, it had kind of a yellow wallpaper vibe because they have to have absolute, absolute rest. And so she's just lying flat on her back, not allowed to talk or read or anything, you know, barely allowed to think for quite a long time. It's true. I wouldn't call those pages funny. No. But I still enjoyed them. I was gripped by them. I really liked the characters that she was stuck in that room with. Yeah, yeah, especially Kimmy. Kimmy is fabulous. Kimmy is Japanese and 17 or 18. Betty is 30 at the time, and they developed this incredible friendship. Right, which is lovely. But also Eileen and Minna. (laughs) Oh, God, Minna. (laughs) Minna is... I guess from the South, but it's quite clear that she is affecting a much stronger Southern accent that goes stronger by the second whenever she needs anything, she puts on this accent. What is it that she says? Hush my mouth. Did I just (laughs) say? As she's stabbing you in the back. Everyone in the back. Everyone. And then Eileen is this tough talking rebel who doesn't want to do anything that they tell her to do. I highlighted a scene that I just thought was so funny. So it's a scene where um, Minna said, if I ever get out of here, I'll never be well again, I know. I don't know why I had to be so little and weak. Everyone else in my family is big and strong. Eileen said, oh, on every apple tree, there's always one little wizened up rotten one. (laughs) (laughs) So good. So good. And Minna strangely doesn't want to get better. I guess it's her kind of you know, Blanche Dubois scenario. Yes. She just loves being the victim. She was so excited because she had to have a kidney removed. To be clear, I didn't think the book was a horrible downer, but I think you enjoyed it more than I did. And my theory as we're talking is that you've really been gravitating toward dark things. Mm. What Betty went through is familiar to all of us now, but worse. She had to lie on her back for practically nine months and, you know, was even more limited than all of us are in quarantine. And I'm wondering if that made me uncomfortable, but it was the kind of thing you were looking for. I don't know. Yes, I loved all of the reminders, anything that connected to what we're going through today. I loved how she hates it there at first, but she adapts. And then the little things that used to bother her, as soon as there's a little bit of good news, everything looks so much brighter and she grows fond of everything. And I love how she doesn't understand why the doctors decide that when a patient is put into a wheelchair, they don't tell her why she's been put into a wheelchair. And it could be any number of reasons. And the uncertainty is terrible. And I felt like that was such an apt metaphor for now. Like, just we don't know where this wheelchair is going. (laughs) Right. I couldn't agree more. And I think that's what I struggled with. I'm reading right now Philip Pullman's Book of Dust trilogy. So I'm in another world. I'm in another time. That's what's giving me comfort right now. 
Right. At the beginning of all of this, I would gravitate to the dark, but I didn't want anything that felt like it could actually happen. So I was gravitating to beheadings and cannibalism. And now I do find myself liking more and more things that do connect with what we're experiencing. And I'm thinking I might even read the new book by Lawrence Wright that's about a pandemic. I kind of want to read it in part because he did all of this research for years about the doctors who work furiously to develop a vaccine and treatments. And so I kind of want a behind-the-scenes version of what's happening that we don't see. Well, if you do, let me know. Maybe if it's really on the nose, I can read it. You know, okay, <laughs> maybe, I'll let you know. So there was one other funny book or series of funny books that I was able to think of during our initial conversation. And these books bring me so much joy, which is the goal of our podcast. So I yes. hope that they're going to bring everyone so much joy. These are the Dumb Bunnies books by Dave Pilkey. These are picture books, but they're hilarious for all ages. And Julie, you you know, you read aloud today and you got to read Mary Oliver. Can I read some of the Dumb Bunnies books? I'm just no, going to read the I'm opening the of the one. first one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, everybody, get excited. Here we go. Once upon a time, there were three dumb bunnies who lived in a log cabin made out of bricks. Mama Bunny was really dumb. Papa Bunny was even dumber. And Baby Bunny was the dumbest bunny of all. One day, the dumb bunnies were eating their porridge. Mama Bunny's porridge was too cold, so she blew on it. Papa Bunny's porridge was too hot. So he put it in the oven, but Baby Bunny's porridge was just right. So he poured it down his pants. That's my boy, said Papa Bunny. <laughs> I'm sorry, but it just doesn't get any better than that. I mean, it, the text stands alone. You don't even need the pictures. But if you could see the pictures. Oh, the pictures are so great. First of all, I love the sticker on the front that's drawn as if it's some kind of a award sticker. And it says, this book is too dumb to win an award. Oh, God, it's genius. <laughs> and did you notice the doormat? The doormat? No. The doormat in front of their house <laughs> says on it, please wipe your nose. <laughs> God, it just gets better and better. Yeah, it's a book you really want to own on paper. Don't get it electronically. And really study the pictures, because every time you look at them, you come up with something new. <laughs> it's true. So we're going to have one class devoted to Born a Crime and one class devoted to the Dumb Bunnies. I did notice something that I had forgotten about, and that's that he dedicates the books to James Marshall. And George and Martha may be my favorite I love those children's books, books yeah. of all time. We have the entire collection and the entire George and Martha oeuvre and one big yellow hardcover that you can read from start to finish. It's just so <laughs> fabulous. Can you say oeuvre 10 times fast? Yeah. Over, <laughs> over. <laughs> you know, I just don't often get to say oeuvre and George and Martha in the same sentence. So when I can, I just like to slip it in there. <laughs> fabulous. Yeah. Those books really are the best. I'll note too, just because this is my mindset these days, there's some fabulous darkness in, in this book. And that makes me think that darkness is a critical component to humor. I'm thinking in particular of the moment when, when Bunny says, can I drive the car? And Papa Bunny says, you don't know how to drive. You'd get us all killed. And Baby Bunny says, please. And Papa Bunny says, okay. And they all go off. They all go off a cliff. And Papa Bunny says, that's my boy. That's my boy. 
not to spoil anything, but there is peril in almost in all the Dumb Bunny books, at least the ones that I've read, and I think I've read them all. So you have that to look forward to if you want to read more. But yes, everything needs an edge right now. Everything has an edge right now. Right. Yeah. So if any of you have any thoughts about funny dark books or funny light books that you'd like to share with us, please, please do. I think that's it for this episode of Book Dreams Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe if you haven't already. And if you like the podcast and think someone else would too, please, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast player. Be sure to let us know if there's a book-related topic you've wondered about, and we'll try looking into it in a future episode. You can reach us for that reason or any other at contact at bookdreamspodcast.com. We're also on Twitter at bookdreamspod and on Instagram at bookdreamspodcast. Many thanks to our associate producer, Gianfranco Lentini, and to our theme music composer, Maya Polsky. You can find Eve at eveyohallam.com and me at juliesternberg.com. And check out the podcast website. It's www.bookdreamspodcast.com. Until next time, happy book dreaming. Happy book dreaming. Love, come listen to Book Dreams with Julia.